Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, joined by good friend of the podcast, Eric Hansen, the finest Notre Dame writer in all the land. And folks, we are starting our opponent preview. We're going to run through the whole Ohio State schedule between now and July. We'll do one a week. We start with the opener, the big game, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Eric Hansen, how long have you covered Notre Dame for? now five six years <laughs> yeah as my primary job since 97 right about the time they started getting crummy for a while there you go so eric henson uh hansen responsible for the downfall and now the resurgence <laughs> of the notre dame fighting irish eric and we want to make sure people can find your coverage because it's as good as you're going to get about the fighting irish where can they find you and your team which by the way now includes kyle kelly one-time contributor to cleveland.com. Where can they get you? Uh, at ND, excuse me, inside ndsports.com. We're part of the Rivals Network. If you can't remember inside ndsports.com, just go to the Rivals website, do the drop-down menu, click on Notre Dame, and you'll find us. And Kyle Kelly, who's doing a great job. All right, so that's where you want to go as you Ohio State fans get ready for this Ohio State Notre Dame matchup to kick off the 2022 football season will be the seventh matchup in the history of Ohio State and Notre Dame. They played a home and home in the 30s. They played a home and home in the 90s. And the last two games have been in the Fiesta Bowl, which Eric, you and I have both covered. We've covered both those games. We covered uh, after the 2005 season, that was A.J. Hawk versus Brady Quinn. And I always can't remember, was it Brady Quinn's sister marrying A.J. Hawk or A.J. Hawk's sister marrying Brady Quinn? remember that she had the split jersey it was like a whole thing i can't i think it was brady quinn's sister who married aj hawk i think that's right if i have it that is absolutely correct all right see this is why eric's a better reporter than me laura quinn laura quinn he got that one right and then they played again after the 2015 season uh ohio state notre dame did so we got it back on the regular season schedule Eric, as we get into previewing this game, how big of a game do Notre Dame fans think this is? It's going to be in Columbus this year, and then Ohio State will make the return trip to South Bend in 2023. Do Notre Dame fans? I mean, listen, Notre Dame plays giant national games every year. Ohio State, right? You you get these people, hey, we haven't seen Notre Dame in a long time. Is it maybe? I don't know. Notre Dame's like, oh, whatever. We play Clemson, USC, Texas. That's just another team on the schedule. Who cares? Notre Dame, not excited at all, Eric Hansen says. That's not what I'm saying. I'm wound up. I'm so jacked up for this game. This is what I do. Eric Hansen made time out of his day to come on this podcast. I've let him say four words so far. Eric, what do the Fighting Irish fans think of this game? You you are right in that there are games that the other team is pretty 
sky high for in Notre Dame is like we play big games all the time. This isn't one of those instances. This is a game that's set apart. This is a marquee, you know, game. And I think really the games in the 90s had that feel to them too in both venues. And and so this is, you know, this is about a, a team that Notre Dame gets in a lot of recruiting battles with, a team that Notre Dame aspires to be from a playoff standpoint. Now you have the added added layer of Marcus Freeman being an Ohio State alum, Al Washington having just coached there and kind of want to prove, you know, that Ohio State probably should have kept him around. Uh, you have James Laurinaitis helping coach linebackers. There's just a lot of great layers to this. So this isn't just your typical um, big game that that only one side gets excited about. This is really one of those moments that we'll look back on years from now and go, wow, that was uh, that was a really important game. We've been dorking around with this King of the North series that we've been reporting on for 18 <laughs> months and we haven't written it yet. We'll eventually write it. But when you think about the way that college football has evolved and how much power is in the South with the SEC, with Alabama, I do think to some degree, Northern football is just a little bit different. It doesn't mean that Notre Dame and Ohio State and teams like that can't go out and compete, but I think the culture around it is a little bit different. I think the SEC has become so dominant, almost anybody that's not in the SEC, it's just a little bit different. And in that way, when we've talked about, we've used this phrase, King of the North, Ohio State and Notre Dame are kind of it. When you get north of the Mason-Dixon line, it's like, who plays the best football there? You know, you can talk about Oregon. You can talk about Michigan. You can talk about Penn State. You can talk about programs like that. But really, when you're talking about who can come from this part of the country and then go compete with the South, when you look at the college football playoff era, Eric, it is Ohio State and Notre Dame for the most part. Are these programs really, even though they're not in the same conference and they don't play that often, are they kind of rivals in some ways? Are they on the same uh, turf in some ways? Well, I, I think the best way to uh, sum this up, and this is kind of a gross example, at the Fiesta Bowl with with the Brady Quinn, Laura Hawk, and all that stuff uh, after the 2005 season, at the end of the 25 season, I was walking into Sun Devil Stadium, and there was a Notre Dame an Ohio State fan arguing with each other. And the Ohio State fan was pretty tipsy. And the Notre Dame fan was giving him all this jazz about grade point averages and this and that. And the Ohio State fan goes, oh, yeah, and puked on him. So, <laughs> so yes. And, and I know that I, I had people that I knew that were Notre Dame fans that sat in the Ohio State and I'm an Ohio State alum, so I'm not I'm not trashing Ohio State people. I'm I'm I went there and and uh, got my shingle from there and everything. But um, they did not like sitting in the Ohio State section. It was miserable. I would say there's definitely a rivalry, at least from Notre Dame's standpoint. And and when we write stories, Doug, 
a lot of our basis of stories <laughs> is closing the gap. And one of the gap teams are Ohio State. It's Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. When I get questions in my chat, is Notre Dame closing the gap with Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson? Now, Clemson wasn't elite last year, but we're talking in the playoff era. Uh, and, and that creates a rivalry. I still say USC is Notre Dame's biggest rival, but for teams that don't play each other, they don't like each other. And I don't mm. know that the fan bases do either. No, it is. When you think about that, Notre Dame certainly at times has had a series and a rivalry with Michigan, has had a series and a rival with Michigan State, has had a series and a rivalry with Purdue. This is a rivalry that does not really exist on the field, but it exists in the air. It exists in reputation. It exists in recruiting. It exists in geography. It exists, yeah. I think, in the way the universities and the athletic programs kind of carry themselves. And certainly Notre Dame and Ohio State are different. But I think that they have maybe, Eric, a similar viewpoint on the marriage between a university and an athletic program. And certainly, again, not exactly the same. Right. But I do think they they – they understand each other, I would imagine, a little bit. And usually, if you have a little bit in common, then you can figure out where you're different, and then that makes you argue and hate each other. So I do think it does make sense that there's just enough here, there's enough in common for then people to say, oh, those guys drive me crazy, whether it's Ohio State to Notre Dame or Notre Dame to Ohio State. I would agree with you. And I, I think some of this even goes back to being rooted in Woody Hayes, you know, Woody didn't want to play Notre Dame. Um, and I remember being in high school when the games in the 90s were scheduled, and that was in the late 70s. And they kind of did it behind Woody's back. Woody didn't know that they were being scheduled. Um, and then obviously he wasn't around to complain about it when they finally were played. But I can remember how excited I was because I grew up you know, in Columbus and liked Ohio State football. And uh, I also liked Notre Dame football because I admired Eric Parsegian mm -hmm. that he could beat all the teams that I didn't like. Um, their teams were – and he was just a classy guy. And I thought, boy, it would be great if these two programs could play. But, you know, boy, when you put them on the field in 95 and 96 and, and – uh, you know, you had the Lou Holtz dynamic there too, a guy that yep. had coached assistant at Ohio State I mean it was it was amazing and I remember the game at Notre Dame the two athletic directors talking uh up a level above when we were watching the game and saying we need to do this more often it didn't happen uh but it's something that's just I think a great thing for college football I I can't wait for these two games to play out and there's just so much on the line in terms of, uh, you know, the playoff and everything. I think both teams could make the playoff in both of these years with a loss, but boy, there's a lot on the line uh, right out of the shoot, including how people are going to feel about Marcus Freeman as a head yeah. coach unfairly, but that's the way it will go. I do think, I mean, I love the, the national games that Ohio state has scheduled. They have series with Alabama scheduled in Texas and Washington and Georgia but I certainly would, if you said, let's put Notre Dame and Ohio State, let's do it every decade. 
Let's do a home and home every decade. And then Ohio State says, all right, the other eight years, we'll play a home and home with an SEC team and a, and a Big 12 team and a Pac-12 team. But then we get back to Notre Dame. I would be in favor of that. And I think that, that it, you don't want to go too long. Again, they're yeah. lucky. They're lucky that they happen to play in the Fiesta Bowl twice. But right. 30, 30 years for regular yeah. season matchups almost, that's too long, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to see that. I think Notre Dame is mindful of the way it schedules because they don't have that 13th game possibility, except in COVID years when they were actually in a conference. They did play the extra game. I guess it was just a 12th game uh, in 2020, but they had the conference championship game. But, uh, you know, they know that their schedule has to stand up to teams that have 13 games. So that's why they're playing Ohio State. They're going to play Texas A&M after they play Ohio State, a home and home with them. They have Alabama later this decade. So, yeah, it's uh, – but it, it's what makes college football great, these kind of series. I'm glad that the big big boys don't duck each other. And, and by the way, again, another – Gene Smith, Ohio State Athletic Director, former yeah. Notre Dame football player. I yeah. mean, you talk about all the, you know, the connections, the fibers that connect these programs. They really do have a lot in common. Uh, the state of the program right now, and let's let's get to Marcus Freeman. How has Marcus been asked about this a thousand times? What is his answer to the idea of? I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts. Marcus Freeman's first game is going to be in the stadium where he played college football. I mean, the timing of this is crazy. What has become Marcus's answer to what do you think about? And he did coach the bowl game against Oklahoma yeah. State, right? So it's not, right. His, it's not his first game, but first regular season game of his first full year. What does he think about the idea of like, this is it? I think he's looking forward to it as much of a challenge as it is. You know, this is what you expect as a Notre Dame football coach. These are the matchups and the games that you want to play in. These are the games your players want to play in. And when you go out on the recruiting trail and say, look who we're playing, Ohio State's going to get their attention. So I don't think it's going to be a sentimental thing for him as much as it is just more pragmatic of, let's use this win or loss to get in the playoff. You know, if we lose, he'll, this is him talking. uh, I would say that they can learn a lot from a game like that and then try to run the table and get into the playoff. But uh, I think once he gets in the stadium, more of those emotions will come back. Those memories of being an Ohio state player and, and growing up in Dayton, Ohio and Huber Heights, Ohio, I think that's when it'll hit him more. But I think right now he's thinking about it, trying to think more in terms of X's and O's and winning the game and and also winning on the recruiting trail against Ohio State. They go against a lot. They go against each other with a lot of guys. Uh, Austin Saraville was just a kid, offensive lineman from Ohio that just picked Ohio State over Notre Dame in a pretty close battle. And they'll have more of those this summer. Yeah, no, I think, and it feels like that that's only going to heat up even more with some of the inroads that that Marcus and Notre Dame are making in Ohio and certainly not afraid to come in to the state of Ohio for the very best players and go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. I wonder about Laurinaitis in that game. Listen, Marcus has a team to coach. Laurinaitis might be a puddle, man. 
James Lord, I mean, he's been an announcer in that stadium. He's been a linebacker in that stadium. He's never been on the opposite sideline in that stadium. So uh, he is, uh, as you said, he's an analyst. He's helping with the linebackers, not one of the 10 full-time assistants, but geez, James. Well, well, they, they made him a grad assistant so he can coach. Oh, right, right, right. On practice. He initially was going to be an analyst. So he is coaching and he is intense. Unbelievable. So that will be, there's going to be a lot of great stuff to cover here. Let's, let's talk football a little bit. Is, is this team, is there anything about the Notre Dame team as it stands Eric, and I, is it seven new assistants under yes. Marcus from the change from yeah. Brian Kelly? Is there anything about Notre Dame that, like, isn't ready for a game like this? Like, ah, oh, they're just a little short here. Ah, oh, they're so inexperienced. Or they're just not – or, or listen, I think Marcus is going to be excellent. I think, yeah. I think it's possible that Notre Dame even elevates to the uh, – above the tremendous success that Brian Kelly has had. Are they short anywhere for a game like this, or are they ready to roll? Of course they're short. <laughs> I'm trying, know, they, to, trying to pump up Marcus. Marcus is ready. Marcus is ready. Well, it's it's not all on Marcus's shoulders. You know, he had some things that he inherited, and I think they've done a good job addressing those things in the spring, but I think they come into this game with a lot more question marks than Ohio State does. You have a new starting starter at quarterback, you know, you don't have, and and I think even at his highest ceiling, Tyler Buckner is not going to be C.J. Stroud. I think he has a chance to be a really good quarterback, the best quarterback Notre Dame's had in a while, but I don't think he's in that C.J. Stroud stratosphere. They are trying to recruit some guys in the 23 and 24 classes that are leaning toward them that are in the C.J. Stroud stratosphere but they're not playing in the 2022 game their cornerbacks you know Notre Dame has not recruited well at cornerback for I don't know 15 years and so a lot of their best corners are guys that played other positions that's the case now they have a wide receiver that's their best corner uh, on the team that's going to have to get better you know the other area wide receiver depth you know they they have eight scholarship wide receivers right now Three of them are very injury prone. And in fact, two of them are hurt right now. Uh, they're trying to get into the portal and pull out uh, an elite receiver to join what they already have. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do that. It's a hard match for Notre Dame in the portal. They're great with grad transfers. If you're an undergrad, it's very difficult to match up credits. So I'd say those are the areas. I think Offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. Notre Dame's got, I think, the best tight end in the country. Uh, running backs. They're in pretty good shape for a game like this. It's it's those those other areas. And when that includes your quarterback, you know, again, it's a it's a kid that played one year of high school football, played some as a freshman last year in a two quarterback system, and it has to be the man. And and his first start's going to be. An Ohio Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marcus Freeman is thinking, get us to 2023 when C.J. Stroud's going to be in the NFL. Tyler Buckner's going to be back as a second-year starter. We'll be at home in South Bend, and Ohio State will be coming right. in with a new right. with a new guy. And it'll be game four, too, that right. year for them. So. And, and so that, yeah, it might not – Kyle McCord may not be facing the same thing as potential first-year starter in 2023 that Tyler Buckner might be facing here. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michael Mayer, though, you mentioned possibly the best tight end in the country. By PFF numbers, 95 targets last year, third tied for third most in the nation among tight ends. Six of 12 games that he played in last year had at least 80 yards receiving. When I am ever evaluating an Ohio State opponent, Eric, I just am always looking like, where's there an NFL guy who maybe it's too much to say he can win the game by himself, but he can be a huge problem when Ohio state lost to Purdue with, uh, with Terrell prior years ago, Ryan Kerrigan owned that game. Um, you know, Rondale Moore, the latest Purdue loss tore them up. Josh Jackson as an Iowa cornerback in 2017 was a real problem for them. He went on to be a second round pick. Michael Mayer feels like a, a game changing kind of tight end and Ohio state's going to come in, in a world with some inexperience at linebacker, and I don't know right now they're planning to play three safeties and they have Tanner McAllister as their nickel cover safety. Who's going to probably be in charge of stuff like this. But if Notre Dame's in a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field, maybe there'll be a Sam linebacker in there instead. And then he's going to be a young guy. I feel like this is a problem for Ohio state. How much have you seen him be a matchup problem already and then he has his best football ahead of him, right? I mean, he was good last year in year two, but he might go nuts in year three, right? Yeah, he he's. it's hard to imagine him being better. He had the best season of any Notre Dame tight end in school history, and this is a school that pumps out pro tight ends on a regular basis and had a tight end in the Heisman race back in 1977 and Ken McAfee that finished third. You know, for him to have the single season records and missed a game with an injury is amazing. And they can put him anywhere and they will. I think you'll see him line up in the slot. I think you'll see him line up as a wide receiver this year. I mean, not just Mm. attached, but as a boundary wide receiver at times for Notre Dame though, to really make him the most dangerous. That's where I go back to the wide receiver depth and wide receiver health. They need if if Ohio State decides to, you know, tilt their defense his way and and really devote a lot of resources to slowing him down. Notre Dame has to have another way to make a team pay. I don't know that they have that yet. We'll see in August. I'll have a better answer for you then. But Michael Mayer, I wouldn't be surprised if he has ninety catches this year. He had seventy-one last year. He's the best tight end I've seen at Notre Dame. And again, they have all kinds of them in the uh, NFL right now. Do you expect that they'll run a lot of 12 personnel with him? Will they have a second tight end on the field a lot? Do they like to do that or do you, is they what you love to do okay. that? And they love to run 13 personnel. They have a package where they have four tight ends on the field um, in, in, in the red zone and goal line. It's a weird, really weird looking formation. Um, but they do have that in their 
arsenal and they will use that. So yeah, they love their tight ends. Now, a lot of their tight ends are inexperienced. Uh, of the other five, they have a total of four. Um, they have four college catches, but they're young. There's a freshman named Eli Reardon. He's going to be the next guy in the Michael Mayer kind of elite tight end uh, mold. But, but yeah, they're going to run some multiple tight ends against everybody. 6'4", 251 is what I'm looking at. It just seems like he's that that prototypical guy. I, I'm really curious about it. Jim Knowles, the new Ohio State defensive coordinator, talked a lot in the, in the Big 12. He said teams would run like fake 12 personnel where it was two tight ends, but it really wasn't. But he knows in the Big 10, they're going to face Wisconsin and Iowa. They have to get ready. They usually play three safeties. He knows they're going to have to be ready to have a third linebacker on the field at times. And if, right. and if this is what Notre Dame does, it's it is not exactly what Jim Knowles' primary defense is maybe best designed to stop. Jim Knowles is making $2 million bucks a year. He'll figure it out. But I do think it's possible week one is just a little bit of a – I think it's a tough matchup for a, of a ramped Ohio State defense. I do think this is – if you said, okay, if you just – we're going to put out – we have a great running back and put out some receivers. Hey, they trust their corners. They're going to disguise coverage. It's okay. It's like, oh, you have a 250-pound receiver uh, – tight end – who can catch like a receiver and be physical and might have 12 catches. I, I, that might be as difficult of an assignment as I think this Ohio state defense will run into all year. So I'm really intrigued about Ohio state, how they're going to kind of scheme that up. Um, And then Tommy, how good is Tommy Reese? It seemed like it was a big deal for Marcus Freeman to retain him as the offensive coordinator. Is he, is he going to have some, is he like, Hey, I'm going to got some, some special plan. And it's weird by the way, that Notre Dame just played Oklahoma State. Jim Knowles wasn't there for the bowl right. game, but they played the Jim Knowles style of defense. Right. And now they're going to play the Jim Knowles style of defense. It was like a little bit of a dress rehearsal for Tommy Reese and Notre Dame to do that in the bowl game, and now they're going to get Jim Knowles again in September. Tommy Reese is 29 years old, and I, I believe is a rising star in the profession. And I think that, you know, he's – learned a lot in his first couple of years as being a super young offensive coordinator. And now he's kind of found his rhythm. And I think he's excited because there was always, you know, Brian Kelly, you know, remember when you're taking driver's ed and the driver's ed teacher had that break on the yeah. other side, Brian Kelly was always kind of tapping that break. And, and I think we're going to see Tommy Reese's full creativity Um I think what's most exciting about Tommy Reese is that he has better personnel uh, than they had last year. You know, they brought back Harry Heastan. They got him out of retirement. I think the best offensive line coach in the country, and we started to see that in the spring, uh, and they got a lot of young talent. They'll have two true sophomores starting at tackles. They'll have a multidimensional quarterback. You know, Tyler Buckner was Notre Dame's second leading rusher last year as its backup quarterback. Wow. Um, you know, they had a thousand yards of rusher than Tyler Buckner, you know, and, and he's going to bring a different dimension. Um, you know, Michael Mayer will be better. The running backs will be very good. And there's certainly potential with those wide receivers if they can stay healthy. So again, Tommy Reese has a better, has better weapons to, to deploy this year than he did last year. 
when they were a pretty pedestrian offense uh, against good defenses. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's some things here that'll be tough for Ohio State, but the big thing is, is can Notre Dame stop this Ohio State passing attack? C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, Julian Fleming. You're talking about a situation where you said Notre Dame has not had great success recruiting high-level cornerbacks lately. Al Golden, former head coach, big-time experience dude, coming in as a defensive coordinator. We know Marcus Freeman's a great defensive mind. Are they sticking with that 3-3-5 kind of Marcus Freeman defense? And, ha- and do you think that Notre Dame can slow down this Ohio State offense enough to stay in the game, to, to make it at least a little bit more difficult on C.J. Stroud? Well, the one thing that they did, I think, in the spring with us was have enough kind of stock answers and what we thought the defense would look like and show us very base looks on the days that we were in practice. Okay. So that, that this is going to be a blind date for Ohio State a little bit with what Al Golden's going to do. I mean, he hasn't been a coordinator uh, since – you know, mid 2000, you know, 2005 ish. And he hasn't been a college head coach since uh, I think 2016 was his last year as a college head coach. So he's been in the pros. He's been a pro assistant, but I I think you're going to see with them a 43 base. Okay. You're going to play a lot of packages, uh, a lot of specialty packages. They're going to bring pressures from a lot of different places. They're not going to be, as gambling as maybe Marcus was at Cincinnati. Uh, but I think you're going to see a lot more pressure. They've got a really good defensive line. Um, they set a school record for sacks last year, and they have all their good pass rushers back plus more. So I think they're going to be formidable from that standpoint. But again, those corners, how they match up with the Ohio State receivers – you know, Notre Dame saw the number one. You know, Virginia was number one in total offense when they played them, but they played their backup quarterback. You know, their starting mm-hmm. quarterback was hurt. So it would have been interesting to see how they would have matched up in that game. Now, they held them to three points with their backup quarterback. When they played, you know, Sam Howell, when they played USC and Keaton Slovis, it was a shootout, you know. Uh, they didn't have Kyle Hamilton in the North Carolina game, and they lost Kyle Hamilton in the first quarter of the USC game, their safety that just went in the first round. But, you know, they've been a pretty good pass efficiency defense. Okay. If if Notre Dame, if, if Ohio State is balanced and can run, then Notre Dame is probably going to give up a lot of points if, if they can do both well. If they're not a good running team, and if they can get to C.J. Stroud, then I think they can be reasonable against Ohio State. I yeah. mean, again, it's, they're on a different level. I mean, they're number one scoring team, number one total offense. You know, I mean, it's it's formidable. Yeah, it's, it's tough, Eric, because you look, you know, Ohio State to lose two games last year. You know, one is early. C.J. Stroud is young. Their defense is really problematic. Oregon runs the ball on them. It's such a problem that the defensive coordinator gets demoted after the game. And then by the end of the year, the offense has gotten it together. The defense is a little bit better, but the defense still has problems. And then Michigan has like three game records on the defensive side of the ball. So it's like, okay, there were some vulnerabilities for sure for Ohio State. It feels like they've packed some of them up. 
I will say, Eric, I think any good beat writer, you see more flaws in the team you cover than people from the outside see, because you see it every day. And, you know, it's like, well, I know the stuff that's good, but I also know this and this and this. From the outside, it feels like to me, if Buckner is pretty decent at quarterback, I could see how Notre Dame is in this. I, th- I think I could. I could see Marcus dialing something up emotionally. I could see Tommy Reese getting jacked up. I could see Jim Knowles having to adjust to 12 personnel and Mayer being a real issue. And then, you know, I think C.J. Stroud's going to have a great year. He might win the Heisman and be the number one pick in the draft. But I, I just could see how it's a game. Mm-hmm. Does that seem possible to you or does it seem more likely that You've kind of said by the end of the year, Notre Dame might be a playoff team, but is this just too heavy of a lift in week one? I could see a scenario where it could be a game. I don't think it's the most likely scenario. I think I think I saw the betting line was like 13 points, and I think that's probably what I would expect at this point. Now, again, I may see something different in August. What I'm not, what I don't have a good feel for is what how good Ohio State's defense will be. Yeah, um, I think the defense they put on the field last year, Notre Dame can score could score on that defense, but I don't know that they're going to be as vulnerable in, in some of the areas that they were last year. Um, and again, Tyler Buckner is going to be much better when they play Clemson in November than they are when they play Ohio State in September. That's that's kind of the where I have trouble marrying a. Notre Dame upset. I, I mean, anytime you get in a game where the one team has multiple turnovers and the other doesn't have any, you you have a chance to to pull the upset. And I almost think that's kind of the scenario that would have to happen for us to be writing about a Notre Dame victory on September third. All right, he is Eric Hansen. He will be greeted as a legend in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> when he returns home for this game. I mean, everyone talks about Eric. Do you, I'm, do you feel a little slighted? This was going to be the Eric Hansen returns home game. And now it's like, <laughs> Oh, Marcus Freeman's coming back. Everyone's excited about that. Have you told Marcus that he stole your thunder? No, I haven't told him. I don't even know that he knows that I'm an Ohio state graduate. Brian Kelly didn't know until year 10. He asked me one day where I went to school. So I must not wear it on my sleeve. And I, I take that as a compliment. So I try to be, uh, you know, objective on everything. So, and I, and I think it's, it's easy in a game like this. College football is so cool that you want the best story. You don't want to root for a team. You want to, you want to see a great game and, and something that people will be talking about 10 years from now. I mean, that, that game in the mid nineties was everything that I kind of hoped it would be, you know, I, I was telling the people that I was covering the game with, uh, I said, you know, they're going to try to tear down the goalpost and throw it in the Olentangy River. And I think they had some, some, something was going on with the goalpost that they fortified the base that they couldn't (laughs) do it or whatever. I don't remember what the scenario was. And I said, you know, high street's going to get crazy. I bought my son a, um, a shirt that talked about the, um, Notre Dame and Ohio State series on the front and in the back it said in in scarlet letters Rudy sucks 
Um, he used to wear that wear that to football every day under his shoulder pads <laughs> practice. So, oh man. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's just, these are the games that you, you know, I guess when your career is over, you talk about and you say, huh, this is, you know, one of the really fun parts of being in our profession is our games like this. Well, at Cleveland.com, we will have a headline that says Marcus Freeman, comma, Eric Hansen return <laughs> for Notre Dame visit in Ohio Stadium. Eric Hansen is the best Notre Dame writer you can find. Go read his coverage. We can't wait to see you in the shoe, Eric. Thanks for everything. I'm sure we'll be talking more in August. We can do some stuff um, because this is a big one. I like this one. I'm glad it's happening. I agree with everything you said. These teams should play, and they probably should play a little little more often, but we will certainly appreciate it these next two years. Eric Hansen, thanks for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, we'll be back right after this. All right, back with some final thoughts about this Notre Dame-Ohio State matchup to start the season. I'm going to try to do this with every podcast. We'll have a guest on. Arkansas State will be next week. I already interviewed that guy. It was an interesting look. Arkansas State was more interesting than I expected. So that's good. Toledo the week after that. Then we'll get into Big, play, big Ten play Wisconsin. So we'll take you through, guys, uh, take us all through the summer doing this stuff. It'll take us, I even think, into August by the time we get to Michigan. So uh, as any good beat writer – you know the flaws in your team. I actually think Notre Dame's pretty good, and Eric knows where they're not good. But I'll tell you this. There's a couple things at play here that I think you need to keep in mind. Offensively, six of their top 11 guys, based on the snap count from last year, are back. Offensive line, four starters back, and the guy is not a starter, is a sophomore right tackle who is a top 75 national recruit. So that guy's going to be good. He actually won a job last year and got hurt during the year. So the offensive line, ton of experience, some really good players there. That's a good place to start for that offense. Chris Tyree has a little juice at running back. And Mayer, I think, I think Mayer, as I sit here, I think he's the best offensive player Ohio State's going to see in the regular season. And maybe when we go through this, I'll remember and think, oh, yeah, what about that? But I, I think that's possibly right. So he's a matchup problem. They just don't have any juice on the outside. They lost a bunch of receivers from last year, but those guys didn't have much juice. So the, the guys who played last year that they lost, they lost one offensive lineman. They lost, they lost Noodle Arm, Jack Cohn. The guy who was the transfer from Wisconsin that we talked about. Like, so the quarterbacks are inexperienced, but they're both bigger recruits than Jack Cohn was. I mean, Jack Cohn, Notre Dame shouldn't be trying to win with Jack Cohn. They should be trying to win with Drew Payne and Tyler Buckner, who are actual recruits. So they'll be better at quarterback eventually. They're just going to be young. But there's more talent there. So they got to find some juice on the outside. But that offensive line is going to protect whoever the quarterback is. And then defensively, they had 17 guys who played at least 300 snaps last year on defense. 12 are back. So they lost Kyle Hamilton. They only had two guys drafted. Kyron Williams, the running back, was drafted in the fifth round. And Kyle Hamilton, the safety, was drafted in the first round. So the year before Notre Dame had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys drafted. So this was not a talent exodus. They'll have more guys drafted next year. They have some guys come back that maybe could have gone pro. There's decent talent here. So the quarterback is the issue. There is actual decent talent here. I think it might be the most talent that Ohio State, I think this is the best team. I think this is the best team that Ohio State is going to play in the regular season. So can Notre Dame come in and, and win in the opener? 
couple years ago, we saw Luke Fickle, has, who has turned out to be, without a doubt, a very good college football head coach. Couldn't do it. Cincinnati came into Ohio Stadium completely overwhelmed. That was a good Cincinnati team. It was before this two, miraculous two-year run of great talent. But Luke didn't know what to do. And Luke got in his own head, and he didn't let the guys talk to the media that week. And they played tight, and they got their doors blown off. What can Marcus Freeman do here? I do think Marcus, what does he have to lose? I think Marcus, Luke is just a very kind of high-strung guy. It's part of what makes him good. But he was too high-strung for that. I think Marcus might just let it loose a little bit more. I do think Notre Dame will handle this better than Cincinnati did. And Notre Dame knows they have closer to equal talent. Not equal, but closer than Cincinnati had. So I don't expect... Marcus to have his guys in some kind of weird frenzy or whatever. I, th- I think they really might use it that they want it. They seem to like him and they want to do something for him in week one. So I do think that will be more in Notre Dame's favor again than against Notre Dame. And here's the other thing to keep in mind, going back to 2005. And I just draw that line. Cause that's when I started. That's fine with me. So that's, here we go. Who wants to count on the pod? 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. 17 years of doing this. Ohio State has played a major non-conference national game like this Notre Dame game 15 of the 17 years that I've been here. They didn't play it in 2020 because of the pandemic. They whacked the visit to Oregon. And then in 2019, they reduced that TCU series to a one-timer. So then in 19, they played Cincinnati and Florida Atlantic and didn't really have one. But every other year, they've had one. In those 15 major non-conference games, and you guys know who I'm talking about here, Texas, USC, Miami, Virginia Tech, Cal, Oklahoma, Oregon, Notre Dame. That's who we're talking about, right? These quality teams. They're 9-6 and in those 15 games. And if you take out Miami and Cal, who were both down, Miami was like a 500 team when they played Ohio State in uh, 10-11, and and Cal was bad and still almost won in 2012. Cal was bad. Cal was not a good team. That was a weird game. So take out Miami and Cal, which are kind of four freebie wins, kind of name their names sort of, but they're not on the same level as Texas, USC, Oklahoma, Oregon, Notre Dame. And Ohio State is five and six in those games. And guess what? They lost to USC at home. Well, let's start in the order. They lost to Texas at home. They lost to USC at home. They lost to Virginia Tech at home. They lost to Oklahoma at home. And they lost to Oregon at home. They lose these games at home. So this is at home. Doesn't mean they're getting like, that's not an advantage. They lose these games at home. Is Notre Dame as good? Do they have Vince Young like Texas? No. Do they have Matt Barkley, that young USC team? Do they have Mark Sanchez and Ray Maliuga and those guys from the 2008 USC? No. Do they have Baker Mayfield? No. Do they have Noah Sewell and CJ Verdell like Oregon last year? Yeah, they do. And do they have what Virginia had, what, what Virginia Tech had in 2014? Yeah, they do. And Ohio State lost both those games. So don't take it for granted. We're doing this schedule breakdown with each game. I'm going to say what I think is the percentage chance that Ohio State wins. And then I asked the texters about this, and I double-checked with them. If you're a texter, thanks for the math help. You add up all the percentages. If you say Ohio State has a 96% chance to win this game. So you take 0.96. I think they have a 71 chance to 71% chance to win this game times 0.71. And you go all the way through, you'll get a number at the end that's point something, and it'll be the percent chance that they go undefeated in the 12 games. I'm going to do that. I've already worked it out. I'll reveal it game by game. 
It's based on nothing. It's based on what I think. I'm giving Ohio State a 75% chance to win this game. That's three and four. That's pretty good. They haven't won three out of four home games against teams of this quality in matchups like this. They haven't. I just read all the games they lost. So I'm giving them a little extra juice. This is CJ Stroud juice. This is Jackson Smith and Jigba juice. This is Jim Knowles juice. And this is a lot of Notre Dame's going to be starting a new guy juice. But you have to think that Notre Dame can win. And I will tell you that this is the way I have it worked out now. And I reserve the right to change my mind by July. And that number will change if I change my mind about individual games. That's the lowest I have. I think Ohio State will have a better chance to win every other game they play because I do think Notre Dame is probably one of the 10 best teams in the country. I'm not sure anybody else in the schedule is. So don't sleep on the fighting Irish. I think Marcus Freeman's good. I think they have some talent. And I will tell you what, 2023 in week four is going to be a barn burner. That's going to be fun. Because Notre Dame's going to be ready. They're going to lose, like they're going to lose some of these guys, but the quarterback will be experienced. They might have a little bit of the recruiting. Mo- Maybe they'll get some young guys in, some first year guys playing from Marcus Freeman's first recruiting class. CJ Stroud will be gone. Jackson Smith and Jigbo will be gone. 2023 with Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Emeka Buka going in there and trying to win that game. But for now, Ohio State should win. Two touchdown favorite right now. They should win. But don't sleep on Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's good. And I think Eric sees the flaws, but we should see what they do well. And they do a lot of stuff well that you're not going to see from a lot of the other opponents on Ohio State's schedule this year. All right, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to do one a week. We appreciate you guys listening. We did the Dylan Raiola podcast the other day. He actually turned 17. We said 16. He did turn 17 on that day. So happy 17th birthday to him. Steven, the plan is that Steven's going to come back now. We had a guy named Kyle Kelly who was doing a lot of really good freelance recruiting stuff for us. And he got hired by inside ND sports by Eric Hansen's group to come be their recruiting guy. So he's there like Steven means, and he's doing a really good job for them. Steven and Kyle, you guys, the texters, you got information from Kyle for a while while Kyle was helping us as part of our like sort of freelance recruiting team. The plan is for Steven and Kyle to come back and do a recruiting pod. Just some interesting stuff about Ohio state and Notre Dame recruiting where are they going head to head? Where might they go head to head down the road? What are their strategies? That kind of thing. So that's the plan for the Thursday pod. And then we'll plan to come back and talk about CJ Stroud or Justin Fields. If you had an NFL team right now, who would you want? Who would you take? We have good text response on that. We have a good text poll on that. So we appreciate everybody who's being part of that. So I'm getting, again, I'm a little more back in the game with some of this text and stuff and some of the writing stuff, because Nathan, uh, is on paternity leave, and I'm feeling that connection. I'm feeling the juice. We got a bracket coming. Good time to be a texter. We got a bracket lined up. We're going to vote on the best games of the century for Ohio State this century. We have the most influential Buckeyes that we're going to rank, and we're going to talk about the Buckeyes who will have the greatest influence on this season and how they play, what their ceiling is, how much fans like them. We're going to have the texters involved in that. How much do you like, guys? I think it's fun to have your opinion and stuff like that. So if you want to be a texter, two-week free trial, we're going to start some of this bracket and voting stuff soon. 614-350-3315. It's a fun little thing. Four bucks a month. And after that, it's a fun little thing in the offseason. Keep you connected to Ohio State football. Keep you connected to this podcast. And we always appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your week. Thanks again to our good friend, Eric Hansen. For now, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.